Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Everyone ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Alike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. It is eight minutes after five o'clock at Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Friday, October the 7th of 2022. Thanks for joining me as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTRadio.com, the WSBT radio app. Coming up on the program this evening, it's, I guess we can call it, prediction day for the Notre Dame-BYU football game, which will kick off at 7.30 tomorrow night, live from Las Vegas. A game that you can hear on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our pregame coverage will start at one o'clock with a replay of the Marcus Freeman radio show. And then the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show starts at two. Tyler Hork and I with Game Day Sports Beat pregame show powered by Michelob Ultra from four until 6.30. And after the game, Jim Arizari and Reggie Brooks will break it all down for you in the official Notre Dame football postgame show here on WSBT Radio. A reminder, our local programming will be streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on the free WSBT Radio app. Well, coming up on the program, all things Notre Dame and BYU. As I mentioned, it is prediction day, how the game is going to play out. We'll take some stabs at what the stats may look like in this football game. Also, Marcus Freeman had a great answer in regard to Notre Dame wearing special uniforms in Vegas tomorrow night. Also, he speaks on the great play of freshman quarterback 
Ben Morrison. We have our sports wagering segment to get to, which will highlight college football and NFL picks for the weekend. And a couple of thoughts on what was, well, dare we say an interesting Thursday night football game between the Colts and the Broncos last night, won by Indianapolis in overtime, 12-9. to All that coming up, plus we'll keep you updated on what's happening in the Major League Baseball postseason. It is the start of the wild card round, best of three series. And we've had some tight games already today. One has a ninth inning that's up in the air. And right now the Mariners in the postseason for the first time in 20 years. They're off to a flying start against the Blue Jays, up 3-0 in the fourth inning. So let's get started. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch of the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. We begin with the advantage game on this Friday afternoon. Kind of a staple for this program on a Friday before the fighting hours take the field. We go through six different variables in the ballgame and try to figure out who has the advantage in this ballgame. We will start with the BYU, BYU offense on the field against the Notre Dame defense. When BYU runs the football, who has the advantage? Here are the numbers. BYU, their run offense, is 73rd in the country at 152.2 yards per game. The Notre Dame defense against the run, 69th in the country at 142.2. So the numbers are pretty similar. The one difference for me is the fact that BYU has not been able to run the football successfully against the best teams on their schedule. 2.5 yards per carry in the win over Baylor. 2.5 yards per carry in the loss at Oregon. Honestly, they didn't run the ball that effectively last week at home against Utah State, who is number 108 in the country in run defense. I think the Irish run defense has a chance to have a really good day against BYU. Now, before the season started, BYU was supposed to have one of the top offensive lines in the country. They have not been able to put forth stellar efforts so far this year to back up that preseason newspaper clippings. I mean, they haven't ran the ball very well. And I don't think they're going to run the the ball very well against this Irish defensive line, even though they lost one of their backup pieces and defensive tackle, Jacob Lacey, deciding to transfer. I think the Irish defense is going to make BYU one-dimensional tomorrow. I think the Irish will do a very nice job against the BYU, BYU run game. So I'm going to give the advantage to the Fighting Irish. 
next up when BYU throws the football tomorrow. The stats show Notre Dame's pass efficiency defense is not one of their strong suits right now. They are 94th in the country. BYU's pass efficiency offense, pretty doggone good. They are 21st in the country. Jaron Hall has turned out to be a fantastic quarterback for this BYU football team. 12 touchdown passes, just one interception, completing 70% of his throws so far this year. And his numbers held up against Oregon and Baylor. Had good solid days against those two particular teams. So I think this will be a really good challenge for the Fighting Irish. Now, Drake May had five touchdown passes for North Carolina in Notre Dame's last game. Two of those with the game out of reach, but still, they occurred against the Notre Dame defense that had some breakdowns. So he had five touchdown passes. I think Jaron Hall's going to make some plays in this game. It's not like he has one go-to target. He's got four or five guys he uses pretty consistently. Keanu Hall might be... Keanu Hill might be the guy to watch out for. He is right now averaging 20 yards per catch this season. Had a big game against Wyoming a couple of weeks ago, over 100 yards and two receiving touchdowns. So who has the advantage when BYU throws the football? I think the Irish will put some pressure on Jaron Hall in this game against that offensive line, but I'm still going to give the slight advantage to BYU because I think they're going to have to throw the football successfully to have a chance to win this game, and I think they'll be okay. Now let's flip the script to when Notre Dame has the football in our advantage game. When Notre Dame runs the football, they are 65th in the country. They are right now averaging 160 yards per game. The BYU run defense has not been good. 93rd in the country, giving up 162 yards per game. The Irish will unleash their three-headed running back monster in Sin City. Chris Tyree, Audric Estime, and Logan Diggs. All three performed extremely well against that weak run defense of North Carolina two weeks ago combining for 287 yards, 100 of those yards by estimate. You know, the BYU run defense has not been great against the better opponents. I think this Irish offensive line continues to gel. I know there's a debate about how much of Notre Dame's success Running the ball against North Carolina was the Irish getting a whole lot better, and how much of that was North Carolina being not very good? Well, I think we can meet in the middle and say it was a combination of both. But I do believe the Irish running game is getting better, backed by the offensive line getting to that second level. And I think this will be a really good running day for the Fighting Irish. I think they'll 
Get somewhere between 175 and 200 yards in this ball game on the ground, so I will give Notre Dame the advantage when they run the football. When Notre Dame throws the football against BYU. BYU has not been consistently getting sacks. Their pass efficiency defense, though, is in the top half at 56. The Notre Dame pass efficiency offense right now has moved up from the 90s up to 70. So Drew Pine's efficiency is helping that particular number. You know, BYU's got a a solid secondary. I wouldn't say it's the best Notre Dame will face. It's solid. But without a consistent pass rush, I think Notre Dame will be able to get the ball down the field. Advantage Notre Dame when they throw the football. All right, next up is special teams. I'm going to give the advantage to Notre Dame. BYU has had some issues with their kicking game. So I think the Irish will have a slight advantage when it comes to special teams. I mean, BYU is having a kicking competition in practice this week. Never a good sign. Their top kickers, three of eight, between 30 and 39 yards. So I'm going to go advantage Notre Dame on special teams. And finally, intangibles, Shamrock Series game. Irish have never lost a Shamrock Series game. Going to Vegas. They are the favorite. Some people may wonder why, because BYU is the ranked team. They're the 4-1 football team. Notre Dame's the 2-2 team that lost to Marshall. But I think this game brings extra juice for the Irish. Being out in Vegas, pro-Notre Dame crowd out in Vegas. And as you will see in my prediction in just a couple of moments, I think it will be jackpot baby for the Fighting Irish late Saturday night. So our advantage game, when BYU runs it, advantage Notre Dame. When BYU throws the football, advantage BYU. I give Notre Dame the advantage when they run it and throw it against BYU. Special teams, a lean toward the Irish. And the intangibles go to Notre Dame. So let's just throw a dart at the dartboard and try to come up with some game predictions for tomorrow's contest. We'll start with a category some people like to wager on. On football games, who scores first? I think Notre Dame takes the ball, and they go down and score to take the lead. I think they'll have the lead at halftime. Notre Dame rushing the football. As I mentioned a moment ago, I feel like it'll be somewhere between 175 and 200 yards. So I'm going to go with 38 carries for 198 for the Irish, 5.2 yards per carry, and two touchdowns. Sorry about that, folks. Just feeling a little rough today. I apologize. All right, Chris Tyree, I've got him 10 carries for 53 yards. Our Audric Estime, 
17 rushes for 102. I've got Estime going over 100 yards for a second consecutive game. Notre Dame throwing the football. Drew Pine, 20 of 30 for 222 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. I got Michael Mayer leading the way in catches and also receiving yards. I've got Michael Mayer, 7 for 93 and a touchdown. Lorenzo Styles, five catches for 71 and a touchdown. Let's go to BYU. I've got them really struggling running the football tomorrow. 22 carries, 81 yards for 3.6 yards per carry. Passing the football, I got Jaron Hall, 22 of 38 for 245 and a touchdown. Notre Dame's leading tackler, I've got Jack Kaiser leading the way with nine stops. So now our predictions go to the spread in Las Vegas. Notre Dame is favored by three and a half. If you take BYU plus three and a half, it's at minus 110. Notre Dame at minus three and a half also at minus 110. I'll take Notre Dame to cover. The over under total points is at 51. Either way you go, it's at minus 110. So 51 is the over under. I will go slightly over that number. Final score prediction. Before the season started, I picked BYU to upset Notre Dame. I no longer feel that way. Final score, Notre Dame 30, BYU 23. Those are some predictions for tomorrow's matchup between number 16 BYU and the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Once again, 7.30 kickoff Saturday night here on WSBT Radio. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Halfway through the five o'clock hour. On Budweiser's weekday sports feed from Sports Radio 960 WSBT on this Friday evening. Darren Pritchard with you. It's going to be a little cool for high school football, but I know these teams are raring to go tonight, including on our sister station, 96-1 the ton, the Mishawaka Cabin will take on the Concord Minutemen, a road game for Mishawaka, pregame at 645, opening kickoff is at 7 o'clock on 96.1 The Ton. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's go back to yesterday's program. 
and go through our Twitter question of the day that I posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Notre Dame went 2-2 two and two in the month of September. In October, they play BYU in Vegas, of course, tomorrow. They've got a home game against Stanford, a home game against UNLV, and a road contest against 5-0 Syracuse. So what will Notre Dame's record be entering November? I gave you four choices, a record of 6-2, which means they go 4-0, a 5-3 record into November, that would mean a 3-1 October, 2-2 October brings you in at 4-4, and and the fourth choice was 3-5 or 2-6. Well, the good news is there is not a lot of negativity among the voters. Just 1.6% felt like the Irish would be a two or three win football team heading to November. Third place in the voting, not much support for this either, a 500 team. A four and four record got 6.3% of the vote. Second place in the voting at 25%. Notre Dame going three and one in October and would head to November at five and three. And the winner by a long shot, not even close. There's a lot of optimism that the Irish will go four and zero in October. Six and two got 67.2% of the vote. I think five and three and six and two are the most realistic options. I would lean toward six and two like the majority. We'll learn a little bit more about Syracuse tomorrow when they take on a very good North Carolina State football team. So, the winning vote, Notre Dame's record entering November, 6-2, got 67.2% of the vote. Everything else only got, what, 32.8% of the vote. Now let's get to today's question. What outright spread combination will be the end result of Notre Dame-BYU tomorrow. Now, the Irish are favored by three and a half points. So your choices are Notre Dame wins the game outright and also Notre Dame covers the three and a half points. The second choice, Notre Dame wins the ball game, but it's a close one, and BYU is able to cover. And your third choice, an outright win for BYU. So again, what outright spread combination will be the end result of Notre Dame-BYU? Notre Dame wins, Notre Dame covers. Notre Dame wins, BYU covers, or BYU wins. I'll give you a little hint. Notre Dame wins outright, Notre Dame covers is doing very well in today's voting. You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. We're going to take a second to update you on what's happening in Major League Baseball. The Cleveland Indians. 
I had not done that all year, and you're telling me on the first day of the postseason I said it. The Cleveland Guardians beat the Tampa Bay Rays today. 2-1, to one. Jose Ramirez, a sixth inning, two-run home run for Cleveland. They're up 1-0 in the best of three. Philadelphia put up six runs in the top of the ninth inning in St. Louis. Cardinals batting in the bottom of the ninth with the tying run at the plate, trailing now 6-3. And the Seattle Mariners are off and rolling at Toronto. They lead the Blue Jays 4-0 in the bottom of the fifth inning. The primetime game tonight, San Diego at the New York Mets at 8.07. Max Scherzer against Hugh Darvish. That should be quite the ball game in Gotham tonight. It is 25 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Coming up on Budweiser's weekday sports beat, what has Marcus Freeman learned after four games? Where does his team stand right now? He'll provide answers for that coming up in just a moment. As we continue on with Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 20 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. Darren Pritchard with you on this Friday evening. We're on the air until 7 o'clock. Again, Mishawaka came in football on our sister station, 96-1 the ton tonight at 7 o'clock. Well, this Fighting Irish football team, I would say unexpectedly, is 2-2 two and two before the bye. I really thought absolutely worst case, they would be a 3-1 and one football team losing to Ohio State, but then posting home wins over Marshall and Cal and then winning at North Carolina. Well, the loss at Marshall kind of screwed up that way of thinking. So instead of 3-1, and one, this football team is 2-2. Two and two. They have won two games in a row heading into tomorrow's game at BYU. Marcus Freeman is a first-time head coach. I'm sure every day is a learning process. He was asked what he has learned from his new position over the first four games of the year. You never, you, you never stop learning, man. You never stop enhancing. You, I don't care if I've been doing this for – since December or doing it for 10 years, I think the challenge to us as individuals is to find ways to improve. And that's the challenge for me as the head coach every day is find a way to improve. No matter what the result of the past game is, what the result of the last season was, how do you improve? And, and that's the challenge for us as a football program, right? Is that can you really have a mindset of constant improvement? No matter how well you do. Right? You can win a national championship. The next day you wake up, it's still going to be a challenge. To, how can you get better? You know, Because you know those around you are getting better. And it's a lot easier to improve, I think, maybe when you're not doing so well, right? where you're dying 
you're, you're just dying for a way to get better than maybe if you are doing well. And that's a challenge for us. We won two games, right? And I, I quickly remind our guys, we have to have the same mindset in terms of evaluation and preparation that we had after the Marshall game. Because what happens is winning can mask that, right? Winning can mask the reality of, of what's going on in a game. And so that's what the challenge is for me as a leader, for us as a football program, is to truly find ways to have constant improvement no matter what the outcome of the game or a season is. And now Marcus Freeman on where the team stands right now. Well, I think, you know, obviously we've been running the ball um, offensively uh, where we want to. We, again, we've always want to get better, but we've improved at running the ball. You know, Drew Pine has, has really made some really good decisions uh, as a quarterback in terms of – I've said it to this group in this room and to our team from the beginning of the year. When you have success running the ball, it opens up everything, right? It opens up the pass game. It opens up misdirection. It opens up everything. And so we have to have success running the ball, and that will open up, you know, our passing game. And, and it's been really good to see Drew Pine, number one, make good decisions, right? And that's the most important thing at the quarterback position. You've got to make the right decision. Two, he's limited his turnovers. He's taking care of the football. And then number three, he's starting to make a lot of plays. And so it's good to see him and that growth um, and, and that part of our offense, some guys stepping up. Um, defensively, we have to, you know, again, there's a series or two, a half that, you know, we're letting teams go down and score and, uh and, and one, it could be a big play. You know, North Carolina, the first series of the game, it was quarterback scrambles. And so we have to get those little things fixed, but our defense is playing really, really well. And I love the, the, what Coach Golden is doing with, with the scheme, with, with our staff, um, with those players. They're doing a, a great job. But, you know, obviously the expectation is us to be perfect, and uh, we can't give up a touchdown. And so we're, we're critical in those situations, and they're working tirelessly to improve it. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. All right, 5.50 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. Here comes the My Five, the five ways that I feel like the Notre Dame-BYU game will play out tomorrow in Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Well, let's get really overly specific on the first of five but I think it exemplifies how I think this game will play out but I have Audric Estime with more rushing yards than the entire BYU football team I've got Estime at 102 yards BYU at 81 I think they're going to have a tough time running against that Irish defense I get the feeling this coaching staff wants Estime to be the bell cow. So he's going to get more carries than Tyree and Diggs. And based on BYU struggling in some games against the run against better teams, I think Audric goes over 100 yards for a second straight game. And he also will outrush the BYU football team. Four! By golly, it's time for... Brandon Joseph to come up with this first massive play as a member of the Notre Dame football team, the transfer safety from Northwestern. It's been solid. Hasn't had like that eye-popping moment yet. This kid had eight interceptions as a freshman at Northwestern. 
So I'm going to just say that he'll come up with his first pick of the year in this game against BYU, which is news because their quarterback, Jaron Hall, has been picked off just one time over his first five games. It's time to Brandon Joseph to do a little more eating from that safety spot. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. I think the Notre Dame defense will make BYU's offense one-dimensional tomorrow night. I think the BYU game is based on trying to get as much balance as possible. They were not able to do that against Baylor and Oregon, although they beat Baylor in overtime. I think this is a day where Jaron Hall's going to have to carry a lot of the load on offense for BYU. I think the game is on his right shoulder, and can he make enough plays to give his football team a chance to win this game? Based on the way that Isaiah Foskey has played the last two games, if that continues, I'm not sure Hall's going to have the number of chances he wants to have a clean pocket and to be able to fire that football down the field. Number two. Number two, the Irish offensive line will control the line of scrimmage tomorrow. I think the Irish are going to come very close to 200 rushing yards in this game after 287 against North Carolina. I think the pass pro's been pretty good. Offensive line, Audric Estime has had a couple of noteworthy protections to give Drew Pine that extra to deliver the football. And against North Carolina, that moment led to a touchdown throw. I'm just not sold BYU is going to be consistently able to put pressure on Drew Pine. And hopefully the coaching staff has Pine getting rid of that football quickly anyway. So I'm going to say the Irish offensive line will take control of the football game against BYU. Number one. And the other way, this Notre Dame-BYU game will play out. I think it will be a tight ball game into the fourth quarter. I know BYU didn't play their best against Utah State. They struggle against their rival, winning by just 12 points. They didn't exactly blow out Wyoming before that, and they were manhandled by Oregon three weeks ago. So they're probably not playing their best coming into this game. I think they'll give Notre Dame a pretty good shot, but I had BYU winning in the preseason, but not anymore. I am jumping ship. My final score prediction, Notre Dame 30 and BYU 23. That would mean the Irish are 3-2 and and BYU would fall to 4-2. and Last time the Irish will face BYU with the Cougars being an independent next year, BYU is headed to the Big 12 Conference. 5.55 is our time. Darren Fritchett with you on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Sports Center update is coming up in just a couple of moments. Then we'll have a segment and allow Marcus Freeman to talk about several subjects, including Notre Dame's uniforms in Vegas, how he's put more focus on preparation and results compared to finishing like he did early in the year, and the play of freshman corner Benjamin Morrison. Budweiser's weekday sports feed at 555. 
on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith touchdown. Five by rocket touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. at WSBT Sportsbeat. Brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fits anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape, must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, for new beginnings, have happy endings. And Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Hopefully you're all ready to go for tomorrow night's Irish game at Las Vegas' Allegiant Stadium, home of the Las Vegas Raiders, as the Irish will take on 4-1 BYU. You might recall right before fall camp got underway, Notre Dame unleashed a social media gem, the video that was a spoof of the movie The Hangover, Marcus Freeman, Michael Mayer, and Isaiah Foskey in search of the missing Notre Dame Las Vegas uniforms. It was a well-done piece and got a lot of notoriety for this Fighting Irish football team. The all-white uniforms with the gold lettering is going to look awfully sharp in Las Vegas tomorrow night. And I thought Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Fighting Irish, had a really fun answer when asked about the guys putting on these special uniforms tomorrow night in Las Vegas. I don't know. It's a belief. And I know in the Freeman kids, they feel like if they have drip or they look better, that they play better. But you know what? It's pretty cool. It is cool. And I don't know, as a player, I never had a chance to wear any other jersey than our normal home and away. But I think it's something that players nowadays, they, they are, our, our young guys love it. They love to wear something new, something different. And, uh, you know, our kids love to wear the green jerseys they wore a couple weeks ago. And there might even be a request they said to maybe wear them again. I'm like, all right, guys, you know. So... I don't think it truly affects the way they play, but um, you know what? If they look good and they, they feel good, I'm all for it. So anything to keep these guys confident, man, if it's a new jersey, um, for them to feel good about playing this game, I'm all for it. 
I'm not sure how many coaches in the FBS, what are there, 131 teams this year? Their head coach is talking about drip. I highly doubt it. I'd love to hear Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher talk about drip, the uniforms their teams are wearing. That's pretty cool. And I think that's just a little glimpse to why these players love their head coach. He can relate to him, a younger guy. He's kind of cool, I think it's fair to say. And to talk about drip, you can tell he's with the flow of things that are happening right now. I think he learns a lot from his kids, too, along the way. So I guess, how do you say it? The Irish will look drip tomorrow night. Is that right? Is that the best way to say it? I'm sure not hip. I have no idea. Well, Coach Freeman, you might recall, stressed early on in the year. It was all about finishing, finish, finish, finish. He mentioned that after the Ohio State game, and I don't think finishing was the problem in that game. No, they didn't close the game out well, but there were just execution issues earlier in the ball game that set the stage for Ohio State's difference-making fourth quarter. But now he has altered that way of thinking. It's all about preparation which hopefully leads to some really good results against BYU tomorrow night. I think as a leader, you got to start by looking at yourself. And, and, you know, when you put so much emphasis into finishing, 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 you know, as I, I brought up before, you know, we were up versus Oklahoma going into the second half and, and partly through the third quarter. We're up versus Ohio State. We're up versus Marshall. Um, shoot, we're up versus Cal. You know, we keep going. And, and – so all of a sudden you sit here and you talk about finishing, 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 but then you really go back and you evaluate, and there's plays in the first quarter that we weren't executing the way we were supposed to. And so that's kind of where me as a leader said, hold on, uh, take all the emphasis off of finishing and really look at every play of the game and, and focus on execution and, and, and execution in our preparation and, and really taking a deep dive into the way we prepare and the point of emphasis in being are we executing in practice the way we need to to help us execute in the game? And so I kind of just took the focus. It's not about finishing. It's about finishing every play, right, and that you got to make sure you execute on play one no matter if you're up or down, you know, as you do in the fourth quarter. And so I, I, I wanted to make sure that our focus is on every play of this game and not just finishing in the fourth. Well, the results on offense were tough against Ohio State since the game plan was so buttoned up. You know, there was not great execution against Marshall on the offensive side of the football. The defense held up pretty good in that ball game. California, the defense was on task. The offense got going just enough in the fourth quarter to win. And then North Carolina, I would say the defense, slow start, kind of an ucky finish. But in the middle, they were drip. They were okay. They did pretty well against that. Carolina high-powered offense, and I thought the Notre Dame offense got better, better, excuse me, after a slow start in that game. So the results are getting better as the season progresses, and now let's see if they can pull off the neutral site win over BYU tomorrow night. On defense, freshman corner Benjamin Morrison continues to play really solid football. He has the confidence of this football team. Now a starter in this Fighting Irish secondary. And Morrison was talked about in the Monday media session with head coach Marcus Freeman as 
Marcus talked about this young man's development. He's got a good family at home, and he is just out there making plays for this football team. Special, man. He's special. Um, you know, kudos to, to Coach Mickens. Again, he, he, I've said this before, but he's done a great job in recruiting, you know, and, and Ben Morrison and Jaden Mickey, and, and I can go back to our days in Cincinnati, you know, when he brought in a guy like Sauce Gardner, and, and you know, we knew those two guys were, were good football players. Did I think Ben Morrison would be starting as a true freshman? Probably not, but he's a good football player and he's getting better, you know, and uh, both of those guys are going to help us right now, but also in the long term. Be careful how much credit you give to Pops because mom mom's done a great job. And uh, the whole family is extremely talented. Their daughters are gymnasts and, and, you know, a great family, but he's just a mature kid. You know, he's mature. He came in. He doesn't talk a lot. He just works, and he works. And, and yes, he's got good genetics, but I think he has a really good foundation. He's his high school, you can tell he's well coached. You know, that's the one thing, just being on the road. I don't mean to get off subject a little bit. Being on the road recruiting, it's interesting to go into these high schools and talking with coaches, and you say, okay, they're in a college-like system. They're being coached like college football players. And some, they're playing C-ball, get ball. And in your mind, you say, okay, that guy's going to be a little bit – he's going to take a little bit more time to develop. Ben Morrison's a guy that you can tell understands college football, the technical side of it. And, and he came in here, and, and he's blessed with God-given ability, but mentally he understands what it takes to have success at this level. High praise for Benjamin Morrison, a player that was not here. As an early enrollee for spring practice, he is just – Came in and won the job. Cam Hart, Morrison, Tariq Bracey, Clarence Lewis seeing time at corner, but Morrison has taken some time away from Clarence Lewis. Well, the Fighting Irish lost a player this week. Jacob Lacey, backup defensive tackle, has elected to leave the football team with the plans of becoming a transfer later on this year when the transfer portal opens in December. Before we knew that information, Marcus Freeman was asked about, we're now getting kind of that point where some players have played three games do you con- or four games. Do you continue to play them, which means they use a year of eligibility? Do you hold some guys back wanting to preserve a year of eligibility? How do you handle that? And what about the distraction of an assistant coach or two being mentioned as a possible replacement for head coaching vacancies across the country. How is he handling all that while preparing for BYU? Yeah, I think it's still early in the season. Um, you know, I don't want to say a guy's ready to redshirt yet or not. If they can help us, we got to play them. And to me, part of practicing those young guys and those scrimmage type reps at the end of practice was to see, okay, can this guy help us? Um, you know, when we're going full team, good on good. And, uh, you know, we were able to see a lot of good things. You know, as far as the bye week being after week four, as I told the staff, you really got to look. We've been going at this thing since August 3rd, whenever we checked in the fall camp. And so it's really probably been about two months, you know, from August, September. And then they got eight, they got a bye week, and then we got another eight-game eight, eight stretch. So I, I think you could see the toll on the entire staff in terms of um, this eight weeks. And, and this bye week was, was really at a good time. Um, I love the look in the staff this morning and coming back fresh and ready to go. And, and, again, I keep saying eight-week span, it starts with this one. And 
the preparation and the focus to get ready for BYU. And you don't got to watch a lot of the film to realize the challenge we have. This is a talented football team. It's four and one. Um, plays extremely hard. They're a veteran football team, and and not just with age, but with experience of playing the game. And uh, we got we got our work cut out for us. So our guys will be motivated and ready to roll. All right, team. Probably in Vegas right now, I would assume, or they're just about there. They're going to go to the stadium tonight to check it out. Then it's going to be to bed. What did Marcus say earlier this week? An 8.30 Pacific time bed check by the head coach to make sure everybody is in their rooms out in Vegas. BYU's coaching staff is handling things a whole lot differently. It's kind of on players to... Make sure everybody is held accountable to make sure everybody is in their room. But he also mentioned they are outside of Vegas with their hotel. So it's not like they can walk out of the hotel room and there's all the bright lights. They're far enough away that you would have to plan to get to where all the excitement is in Vegas. 7.30 kickoff tomorrow night. The Irish and BYU, the Cougars, will have special uniforms as well. For this contest, 616 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards! On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. 23 minutes after 6 o'clock at WSBT Radio. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. Some news for Chicago Bears fans. Running back David Montgomery injured in week three with an ankle, maybe the knee thrown in there as well. He was upgraded to limited in practice today. And now he is labeled as questionable for the Bears game against the Minnesota Vikings Sunday, a game you can hear on Quality Rock 94.3 FM Sunday at 1 o'clock. Now, Khalil Herbert has done a really good job in place of Montgomery, but the starter for the Bears in the backfield, well, he might be able to help on Sunday, although it looks like maybe in two weeks he'll be more of a factor for this Bears offense that could use some more completed passes, don't you think? My heavens, that is tough to watch. Well, speaking of tough to watch, I have no room to speak. As a longtime Denver Bronco fan, that was pathetic last night. And for you Colt fans, you're probably saying the same thing, but you can say that with a smile because your football team won, while my team I don't know how they lost the football game. When it was third down and four, with two minutes to go in the game, you're up by three. There was no chance the Colts were going to go down and score a touchdown. So you had to feel like third and four, if you pick up the first down, the game's over. The Colts are out of timeouts. Instead, Russell Wilson gets greedy, throws the ball late over the middle, and Stephen Gilmore came up with the interception to keep the Colts alive. All you had to do is run the ball. If you get the first down, the game's over. 
If you don't get the first down, you go up six, and I guarantee the Colts aren't going to score a touchdown. I think we had seen over the first 58 minutes of the ball game how this game was going to be played. But it's mind-numbing. And then in overtime, the throw it on fourth and one from shotgun. A shotgun play for Denver in the red zone has been the Titanic this year. Why not go under center and at least threaten to run the football? It is a horrible coach football team. Nathaniel Hackett is Mike McCarthy Jr. And Packer and Cowboy fans know what I'm talking about. He is a disaster with new ownership group. This is going to be one and done, as Dan Patrick just talked about a couple of moments ago. In that game, Danny Penner, who was taken out of the starting lineup at right guard, came back in the ball game as a center when Ryan Kelly went out with an injury and played very, very well. Good job by the South Bend Adams alum. Matt Ryan picked off two more times. He's now been intercepted seven times in five games. That's unthinkable. And you got to give a lot of credit to the Colts. They ran the ball very well, even with Jonathan Taylor on the sideline. 26 carries for 106, 4.1 yards per carry. Deion Jackson had 13 carries for 62. Former Bronco Phillip Lindsay, 11 carries for 40 yards. And the Colts, hey, they won. Not sure they should have if you would have had a sane coach on the other sideline, but that doesn't matter. Colts won the game. They're 2-2-1 two, two, and one with a matchup with Jacksonville coming up in about a week and a half. Well, for Denver, there were high expectations with Russell Wilson coming from Seattle. He threw two horrible interceptions in that ballgame, threw one up for grabs, and then that interception I just talked about costing Denver at least a chance for two field goals. He has been a huge disappointment at this particular time. Denver's a big football community. The Broncos rule the roost, even though you've got – the Stanley Cup champion Avalanche, the Nuggets, the Rockies, they all are good pastimes until the Broncos season begins. Thankfully, the Avalanche are going to be really good. So as this thing spirals out of control for the Broncos, at least the Avalanche will be a team that fans can cheer for in Colorado this winter. But KMGH-TV, Channel 7 in Denver, They got to carry the game that was on Amazon Prime. I guess the local market does get the game on broadcast TV. So the Amazon Prime feed was on Channel 7 in Denver. And they have a post-game show after each game. And this is gold. I don't know how many times this happens in post-game shows. But the broadcasters were apologizing to the fans over how miserable this football team played and just how bad the game was. So give a listen. These were the two broadcasters on KMGH TV channel seven in Denver, trying to speak about this absolute disaster performance. They just saw with the Broncos losing in overtime to the Colts 12 to nine. Some answers for you over the next hour or so. But first off, Troy, I feel the need to just apologize to the viewers. I know we didn't play. We didn't really even run this broadcast. But the fact that you had to watch that on our air, I feel bad. I was here and I didn't even want to watch it. Where do we begin? 
Well, listen, it burns the retinas. It was that awful. Both teams stunk offensively. What was most shocking is they were in position as ugly as it was to win the game, very like that Texans game we saw a few weeks ago. And then Russell Wilson made two of the most face-palm throws he's made in recent years. The one to K.J. Hamler throws it up for grabs. They were in field goal range there. And then, Nick, they're driving near the two-minute warning. Jordan Ford inexplicably tries to get a pass to Tyree Cleveland. It's an errant pass. It gets picked. That's what allows them to go to over. It just makes no sense. It's just illogical. Then you get to the fourth and one. Season on the line, Nick. And what do they do? They go out of the shotgun, which has not worked once in the red zone all year, and yet they do it again. It just defies logic. It really does. They deserve this loss, and there needs to be some consequences. They need not only self-scout, but Nathaniel Hackett has to look himself in the mirror, and so does Russell Wilson, because this is one of the worst games he's played in his career. Okay, you hit on something there, Troy, the Nathaniel Hackett of it all. Once again, in the red zone, third and four. Heading towards a two-minute warning with no timeouts for the Colts, you, you you call a pass in the first place. You're in field goal range to go up by six points at that point. The decision-making, again, in overtime, in the red zone, you run out of the shotgun in fourth and one. We hired Jerry Rosberg ostensibly to help with this kind of stuff, and yet you just lost a game that you, by rights, should not have lost because of some of that decision-making. Well, and that's what's weird is because the night they lost in Seattle and they chose to kick a 64-yard field goal, that was all on Hackett. Believe in the players, confidence in the players. And yet tonight was a game where, as a coach, you have to put your stamp on and say, listen, we're not going to put the ball in harm's way here. What gave you any belief the Colts could drive the field and score a touchdown if they had just kicked a field goal there and gone up 12-6 late? I just, who's doing the math? Get Will Hunting in the booth up there. Forget Rosberg. Somebody to do the math. They were not scoring a touchdown drive. The Colts weren't tonight. I just, it just defies logic. They deserve this consequence. You- I like that. They deserve that consequence. That is some really good work in the home market, hammering the home team. Job well done there. I just, I've said this before, but football coaches have to be so creative in order to put together their schemes, their game plans from week to week. But when it comes down to game management, these brilliant individuals can look absolutely like knuckleheads. You can't lose that game. Can't. And the coach put the team in harm's way, and they lost the football game. It's a head-scratcher. It is fair to say, in my lifetime, with the teams I cheer for, I've had a lot of great things to cheer for. Three Super Bowl wins, three World Series wins in my lifetime. I'm kind of spoiled, so I guess days like this are kind of payback, but the last 24 hours, being a Denver Bronco and St. Louis Cardinals fan, it's not been that enjoyable. And with me being under the weather today, I <laughs> I don't think it's tied in. But holy Toledo, what a miserable 24 hours. And if you didn't hear, St. Louis gave up six in the ninth and lost to the Phillies just a little bit ago, six to three. Other than that, Broncos lose, Cardinals lose. I feel like garbage. Hey, Nothing else to complain about at this point. All right, 6.33 is our time. Let's just mix in our sports wagering segment. As last night I made some picks surrounding this Indianapolis-Denver football game. Show me the money. 
<laughs> we go with Sizzler. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. Well, here were the four suggestions from last night. Started off bad. I told you I've missed every Bronco game this year against the spread. Well, at least I'm consistent. I took Denver minus three and a half. Kick the field goal. You're up six. You cover. Oh, my gosh. What a knucklehead. That was a loss. I don't think that's my fault. I think the wager was right. The coach screwed it up and the quarterback. Ah, still loss. Broncos on the money line didn't work out. Here are the two that worked out for my suggestion list. I had the game under 42.5 points at minus 110. Well, that was easy. 21 points were scored. Good grief. I saw a breakdown on Twitter today. The amount of money Amazon Prime paid to put on these games. Last night's game, in the whole scheme of things, they paid $78 million for that. Oof. Oh, my goodness. I had never wagered on a game where the over-under was down to 29. I did in the second quarter and won easy. In the fourth quarter, the over-under was 21 and a half for crying out loud. I've never seen anything that low. I also hit on Russell Wilson's passing yardage total over 234 and a half. He ended up with 274. So I went two and two last night. My suggestions are four and eight so far this week. The underdog pick at plus 105. I took Denver to have the lead at the end of the first quarter. That hit, they were up three to nothing. Let's go through some suggestions for the weekend. We'll start with Notre Dame and BYU. I picked the Irish to win 30 to 23. So I'm taking Notre Dame minus three and a half at minus 110. I'm expecting Bryce Young to not be at quarterback for Alabama tomorrow. Maybe he surprises us and plays with the right shoulder injury. But I'm still riding Alabama in a revenge spot. I'll lay the 24 in Tuscaloosa against Texas A&M at minus 110. I am not fading Illinois after beating Wisconsin 34-10. This is actually a really good football team. Now, do they beat Iowa? I don't know. It's going to be the biggest crowd at Memorial Stadium in years, the biggest game for Illinois in years. They're a a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Iowa Hawkeyes, who have zero offense. My weekend can't get any worse, so going to back the home state Illini minus three-and-a-half at minus 110. I'm going to fade Missouri after playing Georgia well. They're going to go to Gainesville and lose by double digits. I'm going to take Florida minus 10 and a half against Mizzou at minus 110. I've got three NFL suggestions. I'm all on the Jets at home plus three against the Dolphins at minus 110. Teddy Bridgewater starting at quarterback for Miami. The Jets rookie class playing extremely well. I'll take the home dog and the three points and back the New York Jets. I'm going to back the Jaguars, a touchdown favorite at home against Houston. I believe in this offense under Doug Peterson. Jaguars minus seven against Houston at minus 110. And finally from the NFL, 
Bears and Vikings in Minneapolis. I'm going Bears under 17 and a half points in the contest at minus 110. That's our sports wagering segment for this Friday. Coming up in a couple of moments, a look at how maybe BYU looks at this matchup earlier today on Leprechaun Lunch. Mitch Harper joined the program from KSL Sports out in Utah. Let's learn more about BYU in a moment on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. James Parrish. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Notre Dame brings five. Bradley steps back in trouble. He sacks at the 15-yard line. J.D. Bertrand got him. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And down he goes. At the 16-yard line, Justin Lola got there first. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Oh, intercepted. This will be a pick six. Into the end zone goes Jack Kaiser. 42-yard touchdown. 6.43 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Earlier today on Leprechaun Lunch with Jim Arizari, Jim's special guest was Mitch Harper from KSL Sports. In Utah, he is a BYU insider, and he offered his perspective on the Notre Dame-BYU game in Las Vegas tomorrow night. Just how good is BYU's defense, or how much better is BYU's defense than what Notre Dame saw against North Carolina? I I think they are better than than North Carolina's defense. I think North Carolina's probably got – you know, the, one of the worst power five defenses in the country. Uh, and I think BYU's a little bit of a step up. But the issue is that BYU has has problems stopping the run, uh, especially in first halves. Uh, last three weeks, they have gotten off to terrible starts. And uh, it's been a, it's it's buried them in some games. Now, the last two weeks, uh, their talent ultimately, you know, won the day against Wyoming and Utah State. They just naturally have, have better overall, you know, talent uh, than those teams and they were able to catch up but against Oregon uh, BYU got pretty much boat raced in, in that game and they were down 38 to 7 late in the third quarter and Bo Nix was already uh, the Oregon quarterback was you know pulled and, and he was already ready to enjoy his weekend so uh, <laughs> BYU is a, is a defense that uh, you know they have a ton of returning experience uh, beyond just the age and, and BYU uh, has a total over 200 combined starts on this defense. Uh, so it's an experienced group. And I think that the fact that they're not performing as well, stopping the run with all of that experience, I think that's a bit, uh, I think there's a little bit of frustration uh, for BYU fans and BYU coaches uh, for what they've seen. But uh, if there's a time to put together the best 60 minutes, uh, it'd be this week uh, against Notre Dame. But uh, yeah, BYU a step up slightly from Notre Dame, but uh that front seven along the defense, or that front four along the defensive line, uh, just has had a lot of issues stopping that run. Is uh, is is the defense at least taking what Audric Estime had to say yesterday? You know, the uh, the whole uh, I feel like our I feel like their players don't match the players that we have. Are they taking that to heart at all? Or are they using it as a grudge? You know, getting a little extra chip on their shoulder? Is that, or is it just kind of washing off their back? 
I think it's kind of washed off their back, but I do get the sense that uh, at least that's what they're telling us. I mean, I, I got to imagine <laughs> that competitors would, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're getting uh, jacked up about it. And I love that too. I love when, uh, you know, players are honest and share their true feelings instead of saying, oh, we love this team, love that. Like, let's speak your true feelings. And I think it adds the adds more fuel to the game. It adds more intensity. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I, I love hearing that from athletes when they just give their – their true feelings. And, and I think that, you know, BYU can respect that, but I think they want to uh, send a message as well. I think BYU's back into their defense in the secondary. The cornerbacks are really good, and they get uh, Gabe Judy Lally, a Vanderbilt transfer who was a starter with the Commodores. He was expected to be suspended in the first half of this game, but he had a, a targeting appeal that actually went his way. So that appeal was granted, so he's able to play, and he'll start at cornerback along with uh, Oregon State transfer Caleb Hayes. A lot of talent at the cornerback position. They've been good at, about not giving up the big plays through the air, and they found a safety in Micah Harper, who maybe one of the hardest hitters on the team, number one. He'll come off the bench, but uh, he's a big play guy for BYU on that back end. So uh, the, the defense, I think, uh, you know, is, is ready to uh, – uh, on that in the passing game, I think there's a lot more confidence there. It's just, again, stopping that run. CougarSportsInsider.com is the website. The publisher is Mitch Harper, who uh, joins me right now on Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Uh, what does what BYU make of Drew Pine? I think BYU, uh, I think they, they were impressed with what they saw against, uh, against North Carolina with how efficient of a passer he was, you know, a near 70% completion rate. And, and the thing is, is that, you know, BYU... They have been known in the past, and this kind of even goes beyond, uh, you know, Kalani Satake's time at BYU, which started in 2016. But BYU historically has had issues with backup quarterbacks. Uh, you know, last week against Utah State, uh, the, the backup QB came in and, and had some success uh, for, a, for a Utah State team that was just downright awful in the weeks prior. Uh, Cooper Lega gave the Aggies a lift against BYU. For whatever reason, backup QBs just – have success sometimes against the Cougars and and this BYU defense another issue that uh, raises questions about this group is that they just they don't they don't force many turn takeaways and they also don't get to the quarterback and create many sacks and you know being a backup QB if you know that your de the defense you're facing is not gonna put much pressure on you and they're not known to take away the football I think that gives you a little more comfort level where you can just kind of operate within your offense and, and have success so uh, that that to me, I, I think Pine. I mean, you know as well as anyone. I mean, his, his recruiting accolades are well documented. A former four-star guy, so I, the talent's there. And I think that's what's interesting about this matchup in general is that you look at it from a recruiting perspective and, and star ratings. BYU probably shouldn't even be able to be competitive with Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame should probably be a, a team that blows BYU out by about you know two touchdowns uh, because BYU's talent component. Had a little technical difficulty there. I apologize. 649 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. That was Mitch Harper from KSL Sports out in Utah. He was on Leprechaun Lunch with Jim Arizari earlier today talking about this BYU football team. And I think he passed along some details that validates what I've been talking about this week. BYU is not very good at getting after the quarterback. They have not been great up front stopping the run. Offensively, they have not run it that well. 
So this just has the makings if Notre Dame takes care of the football and is executing at a really good level. This is a Notre Dame football team that should have some really good success against BYU. I have a lot of respect for Jaron Hall, their quarterback. He has thrown the ball well against Oregon, and he's also thrown it very well against Baylor, the two best opponents on the BYU schedule so far this year. I picked the Irish to win 30-23 to earlier in the program. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being brought to you by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget, call Tim at 574-232-9981. South Bend Orthopedics team positions for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. The Mishawaka Education Foundation granting a better future. Barnabies of Mishawaka and Granger serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business, Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings, have happy endings, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Our title sponsor is Budweiser, the King of Beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this buds for you. One segment left in the program for today and this week. We'll come back and take care of business next. It is 651 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. In 1922, we began broadcasting under the call letters WGAZ, the world's greatest automotive zone. Now, we're your home for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame and the best sports talk in South Bend. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Celebrating 100 years of broadcasting in 2022. Six fifty-six at WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. A quick recap of what's happened so far today on day one of the Major League Baseball playoffs. For the first time, we have four wild card series. They are best of threes. The higher-seeded team is going to have all three of those games, if necessary, in their home ballpark. Tampa Bay and Cleveland started the day. Jose Siri homered for Tampa Bay in the top of the sixth. One-nothing Rays until the bottom of the sixth inning with a runner on. Jose Ramirez stepped to the dish. 1-1. Swing and a high fly ball. Center field. That one back. Siri at the wall. That one is gone. Jose Ramirez. And the Guardians have taken the lead. It's 2-1. Well, McClanahan tried to go up where he didn't want to release this pitch. The velocity was on the change-up range, but the velocity going out broke 100 miles an hour. Boog Shambi and Doug Glanville on ESPN earlier today. That home run by Ramirez would be the difference. Guardians up one game to none. They beat Tampa Bay 2-1. to one. The second game of the day 
in St. Louis, the Philadelphia Phillies taking on the Cardinals. The game was scoreless until the bottom of the seventh inning when St. Louis brought up a pinch hitter and Juan Yepes. High drive, left field, going back. Schwarber looking up. See ya! A two-run home run! A pinch hit home run! Looking for that cutter. Beats him to the spot. And then it was just a matter of is it fair or foul. And a huge home run here. It looked like that score would hold up until the top of the ninth inning. Ryan Helsley dealing with a finger issue. Apparently had numbness during the ninth inning in one of his fingers, and that led to a lot of issues. Cardinals now up 2-1. Top of the ninth, the Phillies have the bases loaded, one out, and Gene Segura at the plate. And the 2-2. Punched out and passed the diving. Edmund into right field. One run scores. Two run score. And the Phillies have come all the way back. And they take a 3-2 lead on the clutch. Two outs, two run single. Contact. This there you go. Segura put them ahead. Phillies won by a score of 6-3. Seattle and Toronto. Mariners jumped on the Blue Jays early. It was 1-0 in the top of the first. Then Cal Raleigh stepped to the plate. 3-2 to Cal Raleigh. He drives that one deep to right field on its way, and it is gone. Had to look a whole lot like that home run in Seattle just a week or so ago. It is 3-0 Mariners. And the Mariners still have a 4-0 lead in the top of the ninth. The audio courtesy of ESPN and ABC. Enjoy your Friday evening. We're coming up on the top of the hour at Sports Radio 960 WSBT South Bend. Celebrating 100 years of serving Michiana. This is 960 AM WSBT South Bend. This is SportsCenter. It's the first ever MLB wildcard series. I'm Chris Smith. North of the border, the Mariners are blanking the Blue Jays 4 to nothing in the bottom of the ninth. Catch the action on ESPN Radio TV and the app. Coming up, we're going to take you to Queens for Padres and Mets. And outfielder Starling Marte has made the wildcard roster despite a fractured middle finger that has sidelined him since early September. And NBC4 sports anchor Bruce Bex explains why the Mets need a healthy Marte. Plays good outfield, hit 292 at 16 homers, 18 stolen bases. But if he's not healthy, they're either going to go with Tyler Naquin or Jeff McNeil, and McNeil now has to go to the outfield instead of the infield. I think Marte is the key to the middle of that lineup. He hit off the tee on Monday. It didn't go well. He hopefully will be ready for this first series, if not the second round if they get there. But I think he's a real key for those guys going a long way. Heard on ESPN Radio's Freddie and Fitzsimmons. Coverage of Padres and Mets in 30 minutes on ESPN Radio, 8 Eastern on ESPN TV. Earlier, Cleveland gets his first playoff win since 2017 as Jose Ramirez blasted a two-run homer. Shane Bieber dominated Tampa Bay to lead the Young Guardians over the Rays 2-1 in their wildcard opener. At Bush Stadium, Philadelphia scored six times in the ninth inning, highlighted by a bases-loaded single by Gene Segura as the Phillies down the NLZ. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 